All right, Inappropriate Earl is back. You know, last night's episode with Kristen Dode from Vanderpump Rules breaking all one-day listen records on the podcast. And I don't usually like to do two in a row. I like to let them breathe. But this next guest is the highest accomplished pro athlete I've ever had on this show. He was just in the jersey room, the only NHL player to ever be in my house and in the jersey room two-time Stanley Cup winner with the Kings and Ducks. This guy's the real deal. We're going to get what's going on in his life now. So put your hands together for two-time Stanley Cup champion, Mr. Dustin Penner. Thank you very much for that elegant introduction, Earl. Now, you've got your name twice on the Stanley Cup. How does it feel to sit there and look at my cavalcade of leading scoring trophies from lower division ball hockey. I don't have any of those, and they look fantastic. I, the only thing I have to counteract that are two Stanley Cup rings, which I forgot and wish you would have told me to bring. I wish you would have. And I should have hit you up. I would have bought it from it's you. It's a weird conversation to have, right? Like for you to ask and me to say, hey, did you want me to bring them? Well, uh, it I, would have been the right thing to do, I think. What I should have done is asked you, and I would have bought it from you. Yeah. I don't want freebies. I know you've been around freeloaders your whole life, you know, people wanting stuff from you. I have, as you know, about 1,500 game-worn jerseys, all of fighters, one Peter Nedved. I'm not sure how that got in there. It's Maybe a crime. Peter put it in there. He might have snuck in there. <laughs> it's a crime that there's not a Dustin Penner jersey in that room. I have had a couple fights. Well, you have, and I want to get, you know, I don't plan these interviews, Dustin. Good. As you will very quickly find out. Um, when I looked you up on dropyourgloves.com, just see, I want to see if he's had any fights. Yeah. Um, I got to be honest with you. Uh, there's not a lot of fight footage of you in the, in the world. There isn't. Because uh, you are a goal scorer, a finesse player, and... I found one fight. That's it? Uh, that's on video. No, there's, you got to go to YouTube. There's probably a dozen, if not 15. No, I'm telling you, dropyourgloves.com. I had no endorsement deal with them. Uh, they have any fight that you have had on video. And the one fight that I was able to procure for this conversation was one where you had with Zach Ronaldo after he hit Drew Doughty. Yeah, Drew should have picked his head up earlier. And I want to get into the psychology of that because you're a big guy, about 6'4", 250. Yes, I'd say uh, I'll take that. Maybe 260. I mean, it's all good. Depends what season it is. And uh, was there ever pressure for you being a bigger guy to fight? Um, yeah, there is. Obviously, especially coming, and I guess this isn't obvious, but where the way I came up from uh relatively unknown upbringing as far as hockey goes you know you suddenly shoot up within a year a foot in height and 30 pounds and you go from people's perception of you being a finesse player to well who's this big guy they immediately think you're a fighter I remember talking to Todd Fedoric who was my roommate my first year in Anaheim and he goes this is three months after final cuts he goes yeah when you walked into the room me kip brennan and garrett Burnett all said who the fuck is this neanderthal 
It's like, well, I was saying the exact same thing about you three guys, hoping you wouldn't be tapping my shin pads. And I think my first professional fight was rookie camp against George Peros. Fought him. I think I may have got the better of him, but he wasn't uh, as balanced as he as he ended up becoming throughout his career. Now, and I noticed on YouTube, there's more fights. Drop Your Gloves must update their servers because there's at least four fights. It might be just be server at Drop Your Gloves. Yeah, I, I have a feeling they're a low-budget operation. Uh, uh, now, the fight with uh, Ronaldo, uh, I want to get into the psychology of uh, that because, like I said, you're non not a non-fighter, but it's not really your thing. Uh, and... Ronaldo had maybe come across and hit Drew. I, I guess you'd say it was a clean hit. Yeah, but it's, it just depends. Uh, there's different uh, things you, that weigh into a hit like that. Well, first off, we take we're in Philly. It's relatively early on in the uh, game. It might be in first shift. First period, yeah. First period, first shift. Or, and uh, he comes across and hits our star Olympian, you know, Norris Trophy candidate. Candidate. You know, number one D man on the team and maybe in the league, and catches him a little, a little high. And he's a fourth line, four minute a night guy at that time. And I'm on the ice with him, and I think Kobatar and maybe a couple other guys. Scuderi was uh, yeah, one so of the then D. They all kind of they all look to the bigger guy and they're like, yeah, all right. I guess, I guess they're. I guess I have to go. And it's not one of those things where you don't want to, but you're like, ah, this guy's fuck. he's five foot nine and I'm six foot four, 250. And then you take a foot off the gas because you don't want to. You don't want to hurt him. I mean, well, you can, I mean, it's just like one of those things because if, if a six foot five guy beats up a five foot nine, five foot 10, then they're six foot five guy who practices jujitsu and Muay Thai boxing in the garage comes out and goes, Hey, I know you don't do this a lot, but I do. And it's one of those things like you just, it's a it's a fine balance when you're a big guy and a finesse player because you got to know when you can fight, when you should fight, and when you when you don't fight. Whereas as a fighter, it just either the coach tells you to, or you go out there and ask the other fighter when you're playing. You know, one of your five shifts that night. Right, and but that's uh, and I think at that time Jody Shelley was on the Flyers, uh, probably. So you probably would have uh, if you. Yeah, you it, know, beat I, up I would have been against the odds. I mean, I've fought, uh, you probably know, Matt Karkner, uh, Jim Vandermeer. The tough dudes. Riley Cote. Um, who else? Uh, there was a few back in the minors. I think Jack Johnson maybe had a little, uh, not really. A, not the a, singer. A, right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or the blues guitar player. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, in that case with Dowdy, it's like if you didn't fight. It, it the, looks poorly on me, right? It, it gives them the uh, mental advantage or the crowd, right? Where there's no retribution that that is faced or brought upon their player, right? And now in this day and age with the visor rule being grandfathered in and the helmet rule where, I don't know if that's in the NHL yet. I know it's in the AHL where you can't take off your own helmet. I think it is, uh, they give you an extra two minutes if you take it off. In the NHL? Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, they're really, uh, it, it, you oh. know, this is something as a fan I feel guilty about because, you know, uh, obviously acquiring 1,500, you know, fighter jerseys, I, I like the uh, the rougher element of the game. 
it's just it's kind of it's kind of sad all oh absolutely and, and that's it. why i feel sad because it's like you see what happened to Derek bugard and and uh, belak and i think well yeah i'm more sad from the way it's the the pussification of it yeah yeah i mean it's you not see, like but with boogie and i know boogie i i partied with him in the off season a few times and he's a great guy and you know if people always look for someone or something to blame and i think with most people it you always have to look at yourself you know any position i've put myself in or found myself in that's been negative towards my you know reputation you know i it always starts with, well, what could I have done differently? Right. Right. And sometimes you need people in those instances, whether it's team personnel or friends or relatives or parents picking up on those cues. But it's just, uh, it's definitely sad when you lose players, uh, Steve Montador, you know, Wade Belak, guys like that. Rippin. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Rick Rippin. Um, it's hard to pinpoint it all on just one thing. Like, oh, it's because he was a fighter and got punched in the head or there's a lot of unknowns about concussions and what we know now will probably pale in comparison to what we know 10 to 15 to 20 years later down the road about CTE and things like that. I mean, I've, the last concussion I got was, uh, by Garbett, who's a friend of mine. You know, we worked out in the summer and for, I've known him since I was 17, 18 and, mm -hmm. You know, there's still the effects I feel like numbness and tingling in my left arm and fingers and right leg because it all wraps around from your C6 and C7 vertebrae. So, you know, if that if that's happening at that level, your brain is a softer, more uh, fragile part of your body, and you can never you can never be too sure of how it's being impacted, especially playing a game where you're simulating a small car crash right. every I mean day. You know, in practice too, like constant. Yeah, I mean, I can only imagine if you fight for a living. Yeah, you know, like it's probably just uh, the the uh, effect is multiplied exponentially when you when you fight and play hockey. Like, do the players now not necessarily miss fighting, but like, uh, it's sometimes the games are hard to watch. You know, like. Yeah, Rangers and Islanders played the other night, and uh, I used to like the anticipation to watch it as a fan. Was like, wow, this is going to be a war, and now it's like, wow, this is like it's almost like a practice session. Yeah, it's. Do you guys miss that, or do you like I, prefer you know, the? I watched a, a clip on Facebook the other day, and I think it was uh, Rangers and Devils, two thousand ten or twelve, first period before the puck even dropped. And the guys were scoring up and I was just I showed my roommate that who's only become a hockey fan because he's living with me. And I go, that that's probably some of my fondest memories when I played against uh, the Flames and I was with the Oilers and I lined up against Prust and he tapped me on the shin pads. And I, I looked at the who was out there, I'm like, God, God damn it. And I didn't know I I knew Prust a bit, but not a lot about him. And uh I was a skill player in comparison to, you know, <laughs> him. And he said, we're going. I said, you don't make enough money to fight me. <laughs> <laughs> Did he and, laugh? Yeah, we had a good laugh. And then he goes, oh, we got to go. I'm like, all right. But those are the, I know that probably sounds like an asshole thing to say to the fans out there. But those, those are the chirps that happen throughout the hockey game. You say that kind of stuff. You know, Getzloff would say the same thing to me. 
you know, it just goes up the ladder, right? you know, of uh, the natural hierarchy. So he had a good laugh. And then we fought, I think Morrow fought someone that's Ethan Morrow. And then there might've been one or two other ones at that, during that line brawl, but everybody in the building anticipated that happening and loved that it did. And now you don't get that same feeling. Now you get a lot of like, uh, this is probably dating me, but a lot of nervous purposes. Like, oh yeah, look, we're like, ah, can I, can I, can I fight now? Should I fight? And like, is this gonna hurt my team? Am I gonna get sent down because I right. let my emotions get the best of me? Before your your emotions getting the best of you, like controlled rage back then, where during a a big rival game was a good thing, and now there's too much. Uh, too much anxiety, I think, with a lot of guys not knowing if they should go and if they should fight now. Is this the right time? And what's the ref thinking? Does the ref like me in general? Is he going to give me the extra two? Am I going to get the instigator? Am I going to get my coach fined? Am I going to get fined? Is the owner going to get fined? There's so many different variables that go in to a fight now that guys have to think about. And then you see guys like, even with the hitting, like Rafi Torres and Ronaldo and different guys that the bubble bad hitters now you would you wouldn't even look twice at their hits five years ago ten years ago but they just keep on softening up the game in my mind i mean do like a guy like rafi torres uh i mean he you know once is an accident twice is you know i yeah no i, I mean i played with rafi i understand in edmonton that, right yeah i played with him in edmonton and he uh he didn't adapt with the curve, right? The hits that he kept on getting fined for were the same hit that initially got him fined for, if not worse. Hosa, when he hit Hosa, Stoll was another one. Um, there's been a few. <laughs> with him, yeah, eight or nine. And then I think Ronaldo just got suspended again uh, yeah, for five two. games uh, yesterday. Yeah. Is it a case of these guys just not... I mean, I'm sure they don't intend to, like hurt people i mean i think if they don't may not intend but in, it's tough to prove intention right right like as as an athlete growing up you know starting college hockey when i was 17 because i have a late birthday you know my goal when i hit someone was to hurt them like i remember i remember breaking a kid's collarbone in college and i was pretty pumped about that Right, you know, it's just one of those things where you know I, I it was shoulder to shoulder, and I just was a bigger man, and that's kind of like if you've seen that Patrice O'Neill <laughs> docu or a uh, comedy, he's paralyzed. Right. You know, like right. That's kind of that's the mentality. You wouldn't want to do that, but you the reason why you'd want to hurt another player within the rules of the game and not to decapitate him or paralyze him, right? Mess up his shoulder. You know, so the next time he's looking over his shoulder, you know, when he has the puck or when he's crossing the offensive blue line, right? It's it's a tactic used to as intimidation and fear. And a lot of the hits that are getting fined now, you know, they, you have, you've probably heard this before, but Scott Stevens made a career on it. He was a great defenseman, but man, that, that's one guy I'm glad I didn't have to play against. And his hits, for the most part, were pretty clean. 
or uh, am I? I mean, you if you watched, there was the one Korea hit where, uh, Korea, but Lindros he caught twice in the in the chin coming across. Look up Scott Stevens' top ten hits on TSN, like the the Canadian Sports Network. It you look like wow, that's ten, that's fifteen. He probably got uh, one hundred and fifty games of suspension or suspended games in that top right. ten video. Because it was a uh, just a different era. Like, yeah. uh, I uh, I mean, the first guy who got me into watching hockey and was a guy by the name of Barry Beck. Okay, and uh, huge player on the Rangers, late seventies, early eighties. Now he wouldn't even be the biggest guy on his team. But uh, yeah, you look at uh, some of his hits on YouTube, and you're like, wow, same what you were just saying. It's like that would be five games. Uh, you know, <laughs> he was a maniac. Like everybody goes nuts and throws their hands in the air like i can't believe rafi did that or ronaldo but that that has to happen in my mind because you don't change doesn't happen unless there's people that are the examples for why change is needed right right there's not going to be the nhl couldn't come in and batman couldn't say all right from this day forth no more high hits well how do how is a player you know there's different intelligence or different uh intellects among players and different upbringings on, you know, what their dad taught them was a good hockey player, right? You know, finish your checks, run them through the boards. You know, they even used to say, if you see numbers, go harder. Back when I was right. young. You know, now it's, now they have stop signs on the back of their jerseys. So it's just, it's, it's, there's a learning curve. And uh, it sucks to see guys get a spend or suspended and get, uh, you know, become almost martyrs for the old, old days of hockey because it, they're they're not bad guys, right? I mean, do you think the lack of fighting uh, or the the eliminating uh, elimination of fighting, basically, do you think that increases the dirty play, or, or guys who are in the NHL? Like, I don't mean to keep saying his name, but a guy like Ronaldo, do you think he even cares if there's a heavyweight on the other team? Like, does that? No. Do- no, I don't think so. It's because now you have the instigator rule, right? You've actually made it easier for guys not to own up to own up to any dirty or cheap play, because there was an, there was a time where your fourth line was filled with two meatheads and one centerman that could kill penalties and take faceoffs, right? Who who bump up the line and play wing maybe if someone down? Like, cause I remember playing our fourth line when we won the cup was. Todd Fedoric, Brad May, and Todd Marchant. <laughs> okay, like that—that's a scary fourth line. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Fedoric, you know, T-Bone, uh, or if we call him T-Bone, but Todd Marchant never felt taller playing with those guys. Yeah, can imagine he got in a few extra <laughs> slashes. <laughs> exactly, and I would have too. But it's just one of those things now where you know Ronaldo can go get a cheap shot in. He may not see the ice the rest of the game anyways. Right. He may know that's his last shift. The game's tight. It's, you know, big points. It's a four-point game perhaps in, in the division or, you know, the last 10 games of the season. And you're going to have to wait until next year to get your your retribution. Do and players then, remember things like... Uh, look up Brad May, Derek Bugard. Oh, oh my God. That's I remember when Mayday hit uh, that D-man, I forget his name. It was in the playoffs, I think, and uh, I don't think Boogie played the rest of the uh, 
the series because the games are so close and they needed, you know, a, a more skilled player in the lineup instead of him. But first game we played him next year, Mayday had to fight him. And I remember Mayday saying, I, I had nightmares about this fight all summer. Oh, it was brutal. Yeah, and he fucking stood in there. It was amazing. It's one of the proudest times I've, I've, I've ever been of a teammate. Even though he lost the fight. Yeah. A pretty a pretty devastating fashion from what yeah. I remember. Uh, well, it was actually, you know, if you watch it again, I don't know the last time you watched it. I, I thought so too. And then I watched him like, man, he stood in there and got a couple good. It, w- it was like a, I'd say it was like a father-son where this, you know, he didn't. Right, captivate the sun, but the sun got a couple licks in. Oh, for sure. Oh, he got yeah. in some shots. I mean, it's that. Yeah, it, was, dep- it was decisive, but it wasn't like Mayday didn't skate off the ice on his own power. He right. was. He skated off going. That went a lot better than I thought it was gonna go. Yo, many men uh, had worse against. Yeah, Bugard. well, Todd Fedorik. Yeah, I, mean, I was on the ice when he got his face. How devastating is that to a team like? Uh, you know, on one hand, you're like, hey, he took on Bugard. This guy's, you know, 6'8", 270. But, uh, you know, maybe lost in a semi-devastating fight. Does that deflate the team to a degree? It does. I'd say uh, the initial split-second feeling, you're like, oh, fuck. Can you swear on this podcast? Oh, listen, baby. This yeah. is, uh, right. you do whatever you want. I can edit anything out, but you don't I have prefer to edit not I'm to. Just, I'm just, I don't know what your, your uh, demographic. My demographic. demographic is guys who, uh, you can swear. Let's just okay. say that. <laughs> <laughs> They're multitasking with a few windows open right now looking at other websites. Uh, let's just say there's a few <laughs> .org websites <laughs> on my fan bases. Uh, I think a few of my fans have been on Amber Alerts. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure they're fun. No, great fans. Yeah. They're very much like hockey. You know, my fan base is hockey fans who are blue collar fans for the most part, uh, I, except the ones who go to Staples Center. I mean, geez, they're really pricing out fans. Are they? Is it going up that high? I mean, uh, I I don't know. I took a date there uh, to see the Maple Leafs, uh, and it was, uh, you know, it's like at the end of the night parking, all that stuff, about three hundred bucks. Now, I don't know many uh, common fans who can yeah 300 on one game. Yeah, and even a lot of people say, well, it's L.A., everybody has money. It's it's not it's not that way because that, that if it's 300 bucks for a game, it's... You That's know, one that, game. What, yeah, and then the, but those people, they can't afford that because they're paying so much in rent and gas yeah. and parking and every other facet of their life. So, yeah, it's... I mean, that's the only bummer about... Uh, you know, like Staples Center is, uh, you know, it's it's not cheap. But you guys, yeah. But to get back to that, what you were saying about the deflating aspect of a teammate losing a fight, and you know, in an obvious fashion, like the Fedoric Bugard one, is the initial shock is greater, but it dissipates much quicker because it goes to you worry about is he all right, right? And once that happens, you go, okay, he's he's going to be all right, then you almost get momentum to to win that game for him. Right. Because, you know, he he fell on the sword for the team. So now, in, speak. in that case where he was, uh, you know, face was, you know, pretty much broken. Yeah. Does that filter to you guys in that period? Like, uh, does the trainer tell the coach and then the coach? Uh, they'll probably wait till after the game. You Everybody's asking, but it's very hush-hush and... 
you know, a bunch of uh, misdirection. Like, ah, I think it was his right side. Maybe it was his left right. side. Just to keep the um, the team more calm than the than uh, overexcited and anxious and worried because you got to focus on winning the game. But he was actually my roommate on the road, and I saw him in the hospital. And you know, I knew shortly after the game, and pretty much the whole team did after that, anyways. But you know, you could argue that things weren't the same for him after that. Yeah, no, it's because I imagine. Uh, I think. Uh, I forgot what team he was on, but he fought Colton Orr, uh, yeah, maybe a year later, and and Colton connected on a, yeah. and it was like, oh my god, here we go again, and you and can it, tell even Colton Orr felt bad, like, oh yeah, hope you're not hurt. I, I imagine it must be before you ever have that happen to you, like the first time your face gets broken, you feel like it's never gonna get broken, and then after every fight, or every fight thereafter. You know, as you're in it, you probably think, wow, I got lucky. That one missed. I hope that one doesn't hit me. Instead right. of thinking the opposite way, I'm going to try and, you know, win this fight or break his face. Sure. Now you're worried about yours being broken again. Is the metal going to hold up? And then all of a sudden, Colton Orr happens. Right. Well, I'm looking at a pair of Donald Brashear gloves behind you. And uh, he, uh, he he went, like, undefeated for, like, five or six years, uh, you know. And then one night, Wade Belak pretty much knocked him out cold, which was like, it was like seeing Tyson get beat, like, oh, yeah. wow. And then he was never really the same after that. Yeah. Uh, um, so I imagine it's like the UFC, like, uh, do you watch the UFC at yeah. all? Yeah. Like Anderson Silva. Like, yeah. Like, after his leg got broken. Like, I could, well, I could imagine that would set you back mentally. Yeah. Um, but now let's talk a little bit. Uh, the trade deadline was last, uh, I guess, last uh, Monday. Yep. And, uh, you know, two Kings have a game tonight against the Montreal Canadiens. Their newest addition, Chris Versteeg, is uh, playing his first game for the Kings. Now, you've been traded on the deadline. I have twice. I think, well, you came to the Kings. uh, And uh, what is, can you give us an insight into, say, what Chris Versteeg is going through tonight tonight? because you, uh, it's a very similar transaction to when you were brought to the Kings, where the Kings needed something like yeah. a final piece. Yeah, he's being viewed as that, you know, some secondary scoring, I guess. Yeah, so uh, he's a good two-way player, centerman, can yeah. play wing. And you were known, w- and he's won a cup. Yeah, two, I think. It probably is two. And Chicago, uh, and then I think uh, was Chicago twice. I or? think Chicago twice. But it was very similar to, like, when the Kings got you. It was like, we need a bigger body, goal scoring. And uh, I got to be honest with you, and I'm not saying this to kiss your ass, because I don't kiss ass. You can tell. 16 years of comedy. Yeah. (laughs) I clearly don't kiss ass. That's not how you get ahead in that industry. It is. No, I know. That was being sarcastic. Oh, there you go. I'm (laughs) I'm not paying attention. Uh, But uh, I think you and Jonathan Quick were really the reasons the Kings won the first cup. I mean, because you you were an animal in the playoffs. I I do love playoffs. It it seems like you, and this is a compliment coming from me, it's probably going to not come off as one. But like in the regular season, good, good regular season. But is there something about the playoffs that just motivated you a little more? Like, I think. I obviously it motivated me because the game has meant so much. I love, I just love being in that pressure, pressure situation, even 
now like if I'm playing ping pong with my buddies and I'm down, you know, 19 to 12, I believe I can win that game. I actually won a game last night against a buddy because I just, I just love the mental edge that you can gain against people, right? Like you get the 13th point, the 14th and 15th, and then you go, wheels coming off, hey? And then right. you can see them starting to falter and they, you know, maybe double fault and like, oh, here it comes. And that's the same thing in playoffs in, in the, at the NHL level. You know, even when, uh, even when we were down, you know, when I was on the Kings against other teams, you just knew, you know, that we had the collective uh, mental stamina to win those games in tight spots with Quick and Kopey and Doughty and, you know, Williams, me, Brown, it just stole greener. Right. We all fed into a collective mindset where it was going to take a hell of a lot to break us. Well, I mean, that was an unbelievable run. Uh, yeah, it was. I mean, at what point during that run did you guys go, it's possible? I mean, was there a game or a moment, like maybe against Phoenix, where I think you had the o overtime winner? And uh, I mean, is there well, a moment I, I, when you go on a run I like think that? That's when more people started believing. But I started believing, you know, in that uh, that first series against Vancouver. You know, after maybe Game Three. You know, we won. I think we won both there. Right. But even though, even though, like uh, we lost, I think we lost Game Three. It's all good. But you know, you, like I said, after Game Three, like, what they had to do to win that one. And they just, they, they scratched and clawed to win that one, right? Like they, they, won it, they won that one so they wouldn't get swept. Right. That's what they were playing for. We can't get swept. And uh, was it the third game? I don't know, maybe it's the fourth. Maybe there's some Kings fans going nuts right now. There are, but I'm going to go get my handy dandy iPod, iPad. Doesn't matter, though. Okay, but that's... Uh... <sighs> So in the Vancouver series, it yeah. was like, this is possible. And that's because I had won with the uh, Ducks prior. Because then you can see the pieces, right? Like, there's guys that hadn't been in that situation, you know, where they're going up against, uh, they're an eighth seed going against the one seed. And they hadn't uh, collected that belief through uh, other playoff circumstances, whether it's in seasons past or other teams. And then once the, the rest of the team started to believe and got on board in that Vancouver series, because there was obviously doubt, you know, going they were the number one team. We were the eighth seed. But the fashion that we wanted and the way we were on the body and, you know, the plays we were making, it just, you could see the confidence building. And then against St. Louis, we swept them, then played Phoenix. And then it would just, you just stack one on top of the other and you just gain confidence. And it's harder for you to get knocked down the more right. mental blocks you stack in your own psyche with wins and how you win and then in playoffs yeah i mean you and justin williams were like just you know the real deal yeah he's it's fun to, it's fun to watch the teams that i i played on in the past still be good and you remember what it's like like even washington you see like richie and williams playing there now right. taylor chorney who i played with on the um yeah, obviously I played with the rest of the guys that are there now. Then you see the Ducks and Kings. It's it's going to be really exciting. We'll have to go find a pub somewhere and watch a few games. Absolutely. Well, there is a um, 
I don't know how familiar you are with this neighborhood, uh, but there is a bar down the street called oh. Gem. Oh, I have. I thought you were going to say Body Shop. Well, uh, that's a uh, <laughs> hell of a roast beef sandwich they have there. But I remember uh, watching the first round of that Vancouver series at Gym. Yeah. Because I thought it stood for gymnasium. Uh, it's, it's a natural. So uh, you're going to the gym. Right. Yeah. And uh, apparently it stands for a gay young male. <laughs> so I sit down and uh, game starts and this guy sits next to me. And if you're uncomfortable with this, uh, I can edit this out. I, I don't think you will yeah, be. No, but I, guy sits down next to me and goes, God, number 10, Mike Richards. Looks like he has a huge cock. <laughs> and I was like, you know, um, <laughs> I think I'll go to my home and watch the rest of the game. So I come here, sitting on this couch. <laughs> the whole second period, couldn't take my eyes off Mike Richards' cock. <laughs> So I went back to... I just thought I was playing on looping your head for the whole second period. God, that Mike Richards. Yeah. I literally, I, I'm in this seat where I'm at right now. And, I, you know, I don't know if he does or doesn't. I, you could probably answer the question. I don't need it answered. I, I couldn't take my eyes off his uh, crotch region. Went back and watched the rest of the game. I think that game went into double overtime. So I'd... Uh, he, yeah, we were in for the long haul of that yeah, game. Tell me about it. So was Richards. Uh but um, so we'll have to find another area to uh, watch. Uh, I'm not going back to that bar. Uh, or if you can bring your girlfriend or lady friend. Uh, yeah, we can. Whatever is. I don't know uh, what the. Uh, I don't know either. Terminology is. Uh, and she has a she has a fat friend. I'd be interested. <laughs> she can she can find one. No, no. Any girl who looks like your girlfriend has a fat friend. Trust okay. me. Uh, <laughs> So, but let's get this back to hockey talk. This has <laughs> turned into outing uh, my local sports bar. I don't uh, know if it's a sports bar. Well, if there's anything. Sport fucking? Well, um, let, let's just say this. The gay uh, kickball league that uh, plays at the local park, they have their annual meeting there. So, <laughs> and I got nothing. Sponsored Listen, by Grinder. Right. Sponsored by uh, Astroglide. <laughs> Um, well, I live in West Hollywood, as many of you know, uh, and uh, so you know I'm down with whatever you're into. Yeah. Uh, it's it's all good, um, and I, that's going to approach a subject later on in the podcast because uh, you know you've been in NHL locker rooms. Uh, but let's get back to the trade deadline. What do you think uh, Versteeg is thinking right now? We're about uh, we're two hours away from game time. It's even he's a veteran, much like you were. Uh, is he, in a sense, feel a little pressure to impress his new teammates, or since he's well known throughout the league? No, I I don't think he'll feel pressure to impress his new teammates. I think if anything, it'll be more directed at the coaching staff, right. and the coaching staff. When they when they get a player like uh, Chris Versteeg at this point or this juncture in the season and uh, where they are in the standings, you can be rest assured they know what they're getting. So you know Chris should uh, not he shouldn't worry that he has to prove anything because the only thing he has to prove is you know his hard work and his ability to be coachable and learn the system right. because they know what they're getting. We're 
that 2000, you know, 13 or 2011, whatever years they won the Stanley Cup with Chris Rustig, that's who they traded for. Right. So th- that's all Chris has to bring is what he's brought before and not feel the pressure of having to try and, you know, make make the team or get in the lineup because he's he's slotted wherever he is on the board in the back room where the coaches spend all their time. He's he's slotted in position already on where he's going to play. And does it help a little bit that uh, I think about a month ago uh, the Kings picked up Lecavier and uh, yeah that that veteran leadership helps at all or as well. He was the captain for the Lightning when they won. You know he may not be the same player he was when they won it back then, but when that's your fourth line or third line yeah. forward. You know, that really helps out a guy like Toffoli and Pearson. Right. Because that's that they're their rock to fall or to lean on. Because they've accomplished. Yeah, right. Like Toffoli doesn't have to look back and see a guy he played with in the minors. You know, if Toffoli misses misses, uh, an open net early on in the game, you know, may think, ah, I'm supposed to be the guy that's supposed to score that. Now the guy's behind me in in the depth chart on the team. I played with him. They weren't the goal scorers right. that I am in the minors at this level. They're not even close. But then you got guys like LeCavier or Versteeg. Those guys are gonna they're gonna pot a couple big timely goals. Right. That's gonna ease the tension for a guy like Toffoli. And then Toffoli will have those big games because that pressure is taken off of a younger, you know, star forward. Now on the opposite end of the spectrum, but how does it feel uh I'm just going to mention names. I'm not trying to, you know, like. I don't think you try to do anything wrong or mean. Well, absolutely. No, I mean. You don't have to. Uh, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I'm a fan of both these guys that I'm going to mention. Uh, how does it feel like when a guy like Versteeg is brought in and you're like, say, Andrioff or, or Jordan Nolan? Uh, it's tough. Maybe even Clifford to a degree. It's like, I mean, obviously, uh, you're happy to Lombardi's. It, it, Improving the team, right? You're happy, and uh, it ha- it it happens even with the top guys, right? Because maybe now, because Versteeg has worked the half wall on the power play before. Maybe if you're not having a good game, you get bumped off that as a top six forward. You kind of get uh, that little like knee jerk reaction, like yeah, fuck, right? Your initial reaction is like, I wish she wasn't here. That's a, that's a natural human reaction, right? Because, Just to yourself, yeah. That but the difference between you know the the um, rec league player who says that and holds that grudge, and the, the consummate pro, is goes. They look at themselves right away. Like, what the? What do I got to do better? Right. Right. And that position isn't going to be given up to him for that long. It's more of a reminder, and that's a guy that can fill in fill in adequately while you get your shit together. So you know, as a player like Jordan Nolan and other guys who see a guy like Bristy come in who hasn't worn the king's colors as long as they have and won the cups the game changes you have to make adjustments obviously the team's not the same it was when i wanted with the kings there's been changes made and the i would say do you guys want to win a third one or are you just happy with two right. right this is we know what we're doing obviously we've won two already so we're bringing pieces that we think will help us and we'll figure out very quickly whether or not Bristig is helping or having a neutral or negative Right impact on the team, and that's 
that's an issue on some teams, but I don't see it being an issue on a team like the Kings or the Blackhawks or the Ducks because they have the leadership to to pick up uh, any guys with uh, maybe a a sad look or like a look like they lost their puppy because now I'm getting less less minutes because Rastig's in or Le Cavier. Right. They all want that. They all want to fill their hand up with more rings. Right, like a guy like Scuderi coming back. Yeah. Uh, I imagine that. I don't know who the seventh defenseman on the Kings is. Well, uh, Greener wasn't playing right. that much. And he's coming back. Or, yeah. You know, he's uh, skating again. I mean, as a fan, it bums me out. Like that King team that won the cup with you on it. Yeah. I really wanted you guys to stay together because it was I know. like... What was the first one? Well, yeah. I always I mean, remember your first, right? Oh, Maritza, if yeah. you're out there. Mine was Taryn. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, what are we talking about? Well, I, I, I mean, we're not talking hockey when I'm dropping a Maritza reference. Okay. Our, her last name was Martinez. Thank you very much, Alec, for potting that second one. But like... Uh, that's another guy. It's interesting. He was just a kind of keep up with it but maybe go off base a bit no please is a guy that was wasn't sure he was gonna be if he was gonna be traded wasn't getting a lot of ice time was kind of up and down emotionally during that uh year i was playing with him and then the next year when uh i think we lost in the conference finals to chicago you know he wasn't playing a lot and the next year he comes back and i get to watch him score those goals so i was at staples center and you know now he's the second coming you should have still been there but that's another uh yeah. but it was just one of those things uh that you never know as an athlete you know where your path will take you so the best thing to do is just control what you can control which is your work ethic and you know i'm very proud of marty for what he's been able to accomplish because if you would have asked him the year we lived together if you ever would have dreamed that he'd be immortalized yeah i mean that's he would have laughed you out of the room now, is it tough? Like, I know there was a feature, I think, on the NHL Network on you uh, uh, getting traded from Edmonton to L.A. And, yeah. and it, it really, like, as a fan, it's almost like fantasy hockey. Like, oh, great, we got Dustin Penner, and we gave up Colton Tuber. Yeah, who, yeah. Uh, a couple but, of bags of pucks. I mean, I, I you know, re, I, I guess, you know, respectfully, yeah, probably. I mean, as a fan, it's like it, we don't really see the human... Uh, God damn it! The phone's ringing in it's the middle of the stoppers. podcast. No, no, it's probably the it's probably the Gem Sports Bar. <laughs> I want you to renew your membership. Uh, listen, I've never done this before. I'm doing the middle of a podcast with an NHL player, whoever this is. You got to call back. Uh, um, and just hung up on him. No respect. <laughs> Welcome to Hollywood. It's respect. Uh, but you know. Uh, it showed when you were leaving the Edmonton locker room that final time, all the uh, equipment managers and, and uh, team employees were really sad. Yeah. And uh, I mean, what's it like? Because you were a player on in Edmonton who I guess was, uh, I guess you'd say on the bubble in terms, do we keep him? Do we let him go? Do we trade him to yeah. rebuild? Is that mentally though? Wait, were you saying trade him to rebuild in Edmonton? Because they've been rebuilding for a while. Well, I mean, listen, I uh, they say Donald Trump takes a while to get a, a project going. Uh, we're we're going to get into that, too. I mean, let me tell you something right now. Uh, I'm just an idiot fan, full disclosure, but uh, they've got more young boys in Edmonton than uh, Sandusky's basement. I mean, it's out of control here. It's, 
Might help if you draft a defenseman. I'm just saying. It's it's they might have finally got it right with uh, Connor McDavid. But even not saying nothing against Eberle and Hall and Gagne and Cogliano and Nugent Hopkins. I mean, but it just they need. You can only have so many uh, goals. I mean, offensive players. Yeah, you got there's you see like there's only one Kopitar. You know, there's only one Kane, and you got to be able to find those in every draft, right? If you're going to be first overall, not just pick the number one rated, number one rated skater. Right, right. It's just it depends on what you need. Like the way the uh, NFL drafts, I tend to like a lot more. Where they, whatever position they're deficient in, they de- they draft the best player in that position. Right, and if and they say, well, they should just take the best player because he's the best player. Well, then if you do that, then you better make sure you can trade him for the best position you need, whether it's a defenseman or a goalie. Right, turn that first pick into something because. There's been an outcry, I think, from the league, like people saying, not another first overall pick for him. Right. And you see how many guys, how many first overall picks or first round picks have left the Oilers in the last six years? I mean, Smith, uh, Cogliano, Gagne. Yeah. There's a. Well, I mean, they had 12 first rounders on that team when I was there. It, and they weren't like necessarily the best team. I mean, well, it's interesting. One of my f- buddies who I played college hockey with texted me today. He goes, "The only person to score more goals than you in the lot since you were there is Jordan Eberle, and that was 34 when I had 32." And right. I, and I was just absolutely crucified in my years in Edmonton. Is it? That's another thing I want to get into. Uh, you've played in every conceivable hockey market. Edmonton. I've done comedy there. There's nothing to do you up know, there. Uh, Bronson, Rick Bronson, yeah. the great Rick Bronson. Yeah. Uh, tell him uh, we're buds now. Right. Get rebooked. It's all right. tough business, man. I bet. It's all kinds of wacky. Uh, well, I might route. put a show on one day, a comedy show with me. Uh, you know, Jessa Hinton and Lee San and I don't, but yeah. you know, uh, there's a few other. You know, Rob Fiedel. I don't. I'm. You know, I'm. Uh, I'm like Motorhead. I have. A, I have a cult following. Okay. I should be bigger than I am. A lot of bad career decisions. So, you tell the guys at the gym? Well, do you, do you want me to tell you the steam room <laughs> stories? And it's the steam room things I see, man. I don't know what it's like in an NHL locker room. I've been in an, an NHL locker room once. Uh, my friend used to be the stick boy in the Kings and long before you were around. Yeah. And uh, he took me in the locker room. And it was, I'll never forget this, Mark Hardy, who I'm not sure if you know. I know the name. Uh, uh, older defenseman who used to play in the Kings, Rangers. He had the most chiseled body I've ever seen on a, an athlete. I mean, yeah. he looked like a bodybuilder. And then around the corner walks Jimmy Carson, who uh, I don't know if you... Uh, I remember the name. Is- um, he was Well, he was a big deal because he was the number one uh, pick for the Kings. And he, I think he had, uh, in his first two seasons in the league, he had like 98 goals. And then we yeah. traded him, I think, for Paul Coffey. But uh, he had maybe the worst body I've ever seen on a man. Uh, <laughs> it's it's funny how you, more times than not, this isn't 100% certainty, but the most skilled star players on a team don't necessarily have the most ripped and chiseled bodies, right? They're big and strong, right? <laughs> but the guy like Marilyn Mew couldn't bench press his own weight 10 times when right. he got into the league. Wayne Gretzky wasn't, you know... Ripping the ripping the hinges off the squat rack. No, 
you know, it's just, and then you see the guys who have to be, because like the best in shape guy, you know, on one of the teams I played with was Joe DePenta, like ripped up like a bad report card. Right. And it was, right. but he was the seventh, sixth D man. Right. You know, you can't give him an excuse to send you down or cut you. I mean, the best, uh, I think, body I've ever seen on NHL player was, uh, you know, I'm not bragging, but I was the celebrity endorser for Christoph Ole was uh, clothing line, which me and Barry Melrose. And uh, <laughs> not going to lie, the company went out of business in two weeks. <laughs> I, I, you know, I tried to tell him. He was doing this, like, sweat, like, fubu type of thing. I'm like, dude, you're a white guy from Poland. Like, no one's going to buy this. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, I was just happy for the free merch. <laughs> but, but, I mean, you know, I, I don't know what it's like in the NHL locker room uh, outside my one experience, but uh, the steam room at Equinox is out of control. I mean. My, I can't imagine. It must just be. Well, let's just say the first day I walked in, it looked like a football huddle. Uh, <laughs> and they were playing snatch the bacon. Yeah. But, Jesus. Well, no, listen, like I said, I live on Larrabee. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, a, I'm just saying it's just an, an interesting because it's such a different world from sports. Like in the steam room in, in, in hockey, you get in there and everybody has a, a Bud Light you know, yeah. after the game shooting the shit. And now it's almost kind of like it sounds very sceny. Well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I know in, uh, you know, I'm actually, this is a serious question. Uh, I'm not a very serious guy, as you can tell, but, uh, you know, I know a couple uh, years ago, I think two years ago, there was a big deal about Michael Sam being the, the first openly gay. Uh, that was actually my best tweet on record. Oh, really? Yeah. What was it? Um, I had like 10,000 retweets and favorites. So I said, uh, I don't care if my teammate, teammate's gay or straight as long as he doesn't listen to Nickelback. But, well, I'm a Nickelback fan. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to block you. Uh, but, it, I mean, I know in hockey, uh, it is, it's not really talked about a lot, but uh, um, if a player came out as openly gay in, in the NHL, do you think it would be a big deal? I think it would be a big deal because everybody, they want to they wanna make things a big deal. Right. The guys that don't care, like, it's not it's not wouldn't be an issue with me but people want to make a big deal of it right, right. It's the same i mean you know there was a kkk rally in anaheim recently right i did the cold open it was tight 10 minutes <laughs> i was supposed to follow up but never got it right got, got around to it they couldn't find a hood big enough yeah. for you but that was great. Yeah, three. But what I'm saying is, this, would I liken it uh, with if a hypothetical player would have come out as gay? Is if no one shows up to the KK rally to protest, it's just a bunch of people chanting about their own group, right? right? It's like, but we have to make a big deal of it and show up there, and you're not going to ghosts. I think is going to change their mind. Yeah. So, anyways, with with gay athletes, it's not, it's, it only becomes a big deal when someone shoves a mic in your face and goes, what do you think of having a gay teammate? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? And you're like, well, I didn't think anything until you kept shoving a fucking mic in my face every day. Now I'm running out of things to say, like, oh, it's fine. I don't care. Each to their own. Right. And then they started, like, picking on, you know, whether, oh, look, he kind of looked looked up to the left, so he must be lying. Or Right. right. The Tony Robbins, uh, you know, mind. Just like, Man, just leave me the fuck alone. I'm here to play hockey. I don't, I'm not going to date him, okay? So why right. ask me? Like, it's one of those things. Like, it must 
I think we live in a TMZ world now where it's like they want to get one sound bite that they can play. <laughs> just want to like it. Where they go, they ask you like a hypothetical or they present you a hypothetical situation that actually becomes a comment, not a question, and just hand the mic and open them up. Like, huh? Right. Like you, you hang yourself with my cord. Yeah, yeah. Trying to make you look yeah. bad. I mean, they, they get more benefit out of making you look bad yeah. Then they do a well thought out well, question. Well, that's how I, I got the nickname pancakes, right? Like I didn't in, injure my back eating pancakes. I said I sat down to eat pancakes my wife made, and when as I sat down, my back right. gave out. Freak thing, you know. It could have been attributed to me getting the numerous cross checks to the back, and that was just the the tipping point at that moment. You know, carrying the relation my marriage on my back. God, was right. that heavy? Yeah, that's the most weight I ever lost, and so. It just took one paper to sign. I lost like 120 pounds. Well, I hope it wasn't in California. I know it, it was. Oh, sorry. Well, well, we, well no, you know. How long is this mic for? Get right. to the roof? Well, listen, let me periscope this. <laughs> we might have the first live. Uh, I need the podcast numbers, to be honest with you. My highest rated podcast ever was uh, the Rowdy Roddy Piper podcast I did. God. Because uh, I was co-hosting his podcast. And uh, the day he died... Uh, the number shot up big. So listen, if you want to <laughs> rest in peace, uh, he was the best. I mean, no, I, I believe it. I don't know if you're a pro wrestling fan. I am. Uh, I remember. Uh, do you remember the Claw Von oh, Raskin? Oh, absolutely, Baron Von Raskin. Yeah, I watched him wrestle in Lincoln, Manitoba, where I'm from. Oh wow! Yeah, I saw that. Did they? Uh, I think the WWE was uh, or WWF. Well, at it was that. like it was it was WWF, but he wasn't part of that. It was like even like it was the ECHL of wrestling oh, going around all these. Uh, christian bible belt towns at right. the time i yeah, i watched i remember driving uh in the uh in my parents ford ltd with brown interior and brown paint job with my two buddies on the way to grand forks north dakota driving two and a half hours in the snow flat tire had to get out change a call from the motorola phone that was plugged into the car telling them we had the flat tire Change it and made it to WCW Nitro for the Nitro Girls Monday night. Best night of my life. WCW, they they had a good run. Oh, Eric Bischoff, remember when when uh, when Hogan changed uh, sides there? Oh, that was like wrestling nine eleven. <laughs> it really was. I mean, I, I I still get shivers down the back of my neck think, thinking of him turning on him because it was so. Well, it was the best wrestling angle, like, you know, and for those of you who don't know, uh, we're talking about uh, 1996, Bash at the Beach. Uh, it was Hulk, no, it was Hall and Nash and a secret partner, and then Sting, Luger, and Macho Man, and what the WWE has done to Sting is embarrassing, but that's another podcast. Uh, and then Hogan comes out thinking that, He's gonna save the day. Yeah. Stay poor Sting is left on his own, and he drops the leg on Macho Man, and that was not to mention they dropped Luger. Yeah, and Jimi Hendrix. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. Oh. And Hulk Hogan dropping the leg on Macho Man was like seeing the second plane hit the tower. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! It was, and, and listen, I, I obviously that was an awful day in, in yeah. history, and. A, 
a bad humor, day. Humor comes from pain. It does. I mean, because uh, I know a King Scout, Ace Bailey was, uh, you know, and uh, Mark Bavis, I think. Yep. Uh, so, it, uh, you know, that's how I try and get through tragedies, make fun of well, stuff I mean, like that. Like That's where I got, I find what you say funny, and I probably get it from my grandmother who recently passed in last year and don't say anything like, I'm so sorry because you didn't know her, but she was one of those people where I called 18 months ago asking how she's doing and her first words were still alive <laughs> you know like i know it sucks it's just one of those things when you get older you know, yeah just... i mean well i listen i lost both my parents two months apart and uh i, I got a great joke out of it uh, obviously i loved them both but yeah. uh when my mom died first the guy that they put me in charge of the finances which shows you <laughs> my parents uh my look all, well, look at all the walls of CDs and jerseys. Well, I'm Jewish, so I mean, I'm I, you know, listen, I could turn a penny into a fucking copper mine, uh, but uh, I go down to the funeral parlor, and uh, I don't know if you've ever had to do this. It's it's the worst thing in the world. But the guy was trying to sell me a twenty five thousand dollar casket for my mom, and oh, he's man. selling it to me as if it's a car. He's like, oh, he's touching it like you would the inside of a Rolls Royce. Uh, your mom's going to be very comfortable. There's lots of leg room. Like, leg room? She's fucking dead. She's going to be shortening up. I can't imagine having... I would... It's, and, and, you know, it was my mom, and I was very close to her, and then two months later, my dad passed. Son of a bitch tries to sell me the same casket. I mean, he was the Gene Simmons of casket makers. I would have, I would have actually would have longer. Do you have something with air conditioning? Yeah. You know, stitch. Yeah. Can I get a kiss coffin? Is Gene, <laughs> can you put, call Gene on the hotline? So, uh, you know, it, it's, you, you know, I, I try and I use. I actually met him a few times because I know his daughter. Sophie. Yeah. Very nice girl. Yeah, no, I've met the fan. I see his son every day at the gym, uh, who looks just like him, uh, yeah. like a, a younger Gene. And, his son's uh, actually not a fan of mine. Oh, why not? Because I was, uh, I have, oh. I have a humor that rubs people the wrong way. I like it though. Yeah, and then I, I guess I said something to uh, Sophie on Twitter, and then he went after me because he didn't realize I was joking. Right, right. So then I went after him to be a dick. Like, oh, okay, like you're going to be sensitive. Right. So then he ended up, I think, blocking me. It was pretty funny. Well, listen, I've been blocked by Stone Cold Steve Austin. So, uh, yeah. well, uh, you know. It uh, bothers me that Stone Cold would do that. It really does. And, you know, this podcast is about you, not about okay. me. But I, just, I was, uh, you know, Rowdy Roddy had uh, a comedian, very funny comic by the name of Will Sasso. Yeah. Um, do an impression of Stone Cold, and uh, it was harmless. No, nothing, uh, you know, Stone Cold has some personal issues. Nothing was said about them. It's just a harmless impression. So uh, I believe Stone Cold had Rowdy and I kicked off of this podcast network. We then go to another one. We get kicked off of that one, and Rowdy died uh, about two months later. So I believe that it... it uh, to a degree, Stone Cold. No, no, I'm being serious. Stone, Cold, I can't. I don't want to get sued. So, uh, you, you know, I, I, I believe that uh, you know Rowdy Roddy, 61 years old, which for a pro wrestler is like 700. I mean, it really is. Those guys have the mortality rate of a 9/11 pilot. I mean, no, I mean you look at like, like, very few NHL players. Uh, 
pass away, uh, you know, in their forties. I mean, maybe uh, we're getting. Uh, well, I was going to say up there, but it's that's it would be the antithesis but, of it. But there's a lot of guys dying at a young age. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know in the last five years, not to bring it down, but uh, you know, we've had Mr. Bugard, uh, Belak, yeah. Rippin, Montador, uh, Montador. Um, you know, maybe one or two. So but there's a lot of athletes. Like I know, I'm, I'm at the at the, you know, the peak. I've actually might have passed my peak. Yeah, I mean, this... I'm 33. If I make it to 66, that kind of be poetic because my favorite player was Marilyn Mew. Right. Well, that's my... Uh, I'm 47. I'd like to make it to 69 <laughs> and then just go to Jim's sports bar. <laughs> go out with a bang, huh? Yeah, I'll go out with a bang. And what the, what I want to do is I want to get um, buried at that sports bar with my ass sticking out of the ground. <laughs> That bottle of Astroglide. So my friends can have stop <laughs> stop off and have a cold one. But I mean Even listen. in the afterlife they're fucking you in the ass, huh? Well, listen, I've I'm uh exit only back there, but I'm four oh five north, no southbound lanes. You know, this is taking a turn I didn't think I would. My first NHL player in the house. If Gary Bettman hears this interview, he he might block both of us. I don't think he follows me. I don't. I don't know. He definitely doesn't follow me. I've only got like six thousand followers, but uh, you know. But in the world of pro wrestling, you know, I think there's a thing you can Google pro wrestlers who've died at fifty-five and under, and it's like literally one hundred and fifty names, and they're all mostly faint, like Rick Rude. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, so many names you can't even. Uh, one just oh, died. Macho Man. Macho Man. Uh, you know, Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior, and I know I met him once, and I tell you, I don't get starstruck often, uh, but I he he had an autograph signing just up the street at a record store, and he I had a friend who represented him. Yeah. He's a girl, you don't want to meet him. He's kind of a dick, and I'm just Ultimate Warrior is like my guy. So yeah. I went there, three hundred people. I was last in line. I'm praying that no one sees me waiting in this line. Of course, I see like 10 people who know me. Like, oh, what are you doing here? Oh, I'm just here to get the new Slipknot record. Because <laughs> I have like an Ultimate Warrior shirt on. You got the tassels on. Yeah. Biceps. I'm the last guy in line. I get up there and he couldn't have been any nicer. He's in full makeup. Yeah. Jacked. You know, yeah. got the... And I just, I had to look at his feet. I was just, I was so starstruck. I'm like, Mr. Warrior, it's very nice to meet you. <laughs> and he's like, Earl, are you a fan? I'm like, yes, Mr. Warrior. Can you sign this, please? I couldn't look at him. It was like seeing Superman. And he yeah. passed away. Uh, and I know he tried to pass away live on Raw. He passed away the night uh, after Raw, where he basically did his own eulogy. It was really bizarre. Like he was talking about every man bleeds and when he dies, his blood flows through others. And 18 hours later, he's dead. Crazy. Well, I mean, you know, it's the ultimate warrior. Yeah. His he was on to 9-11 long before. In 90, uh, when him and Hogan fought, and uh, I think it was uh, 91 WrestleMania, Sky Dome, he gave a promo where he said, Hulk Hogan, tear down the cockpit doors, dispose of the pilots. And fly into the towers. I'm telling you, it's crazy. He was no dummy. Huh. I mean, he was no Christoph Oliwa, but I mean, <laughs> who was? Where were we? Well, we started talking about the gay sports bar I go to. 
we took then we got into uh the, you know we, like, we did start heading down the 405 south it seemed right well we were talking about what i was into uh sexually <laughs> and uh you know let's let's try and uh you know because i know you got to go uh i really don't okay <laughs> oh boy this interview just got longer we were talking about you and the kings yeah in a, Versteeg, he must be playing. The game must be over by I now. I think uh, Versteeg <laughs> just scored a goal. No, I, but see, the, this is the beauty of this podcast. It's called Inappropriate Earl. It really should I be. I think we've been inappropriate so far. Well, it's it fits. But, you know, you have a great sense of humor. Some guys who come in here are like, what, you know, what are you talking well, about? Well, thank you. I, I, That's the one thing I'm probably self-conscious about is because I have a lot of friends who are writers and comedians. And it's one thing to know you're funny amongst your friends and growing up but to be known funny amongst funny people it's tough it is well it's and it's also like i don't know you don't know me it's like uh you, you might be a reborn christian for all i know i started off you know christian not saying if my parents are listening which they probably won't unless this takes a turn down the 405 south and it gets back to them <laughs> but but it's uh you know you grow up in a in a christian Mennonite community and you know, to steal a line from Jim Jeffries, asking why is like cancer right. <laughs> to, to a church, right? Like, why? So it's, I've, I've probably moved away from, uh, from believing that everything you hear from a, from a pastor or priest is the undisputed truth. Well, listen, uh, I was an altar boy for 10 years, wasn't molested once, so that's how low my self-esteem is. <laughs> and I'm a good-looking guy. For my yeah, that's what's wrong with me. I've been to the Abbey here. I didn't get hit on, and that's when I started questioning. Well, the Abbey's the real deal. I mean, whatever you're into is at the Abbey. I mean, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but I th well, it gets back to my, I think, uh, uh, if someone was gay in the NHL, you know, I— you certainly can't say everyone is from a small town in Canada in the NHL, but like, you know, you have Ovechkins from Russia and many different countries. Uh, but, you know, I was raised hardcore Catholic, Beverly Hills. A Jew you from never were molested. Hardcore Catholic sounds like. Well, I mean, I recently got kicked off a Christian mangle for asking a girl if she did anal, but. I That's mean, actually. Was it, it wasn't a Mormon chat room then? No, it was Christian. I mean, I thought it's a Catholic website. Anal's got to be on the table. <laughs> that way they keep what they want to keep. Well, I mean, listen, I'm now on plenty of fish. And let me tell you, there's no fish on that side. There's a lot yeah. of whales. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Did you change your username to Jonah? Well, no, I uh, I have a code name when I go on those types of websites. Uh, my uh, name on any dating app is Zen and Kanapka. So see, I bring it back. <laughs> I, full that's circle. a good. He's, you like you like old Zenon or Zenon? Zenon, Zenon, Zenon. almost sounds like a TV. Well, he came to one of my comedy shows in Beverly Hills he did? once. There was a, and I'm I'm surprised I didn't meet you. Uh, uh, the Beverly Hills Friars Club, of course, it's no more. Uh, every Thursday night would have a comedy show, and. Uh, for about two years, it was the hottest show in town. Uh, and the Kings and Ducks would all show up there if they didn't uh, have a game. And like yeah. that's where I met him. And uh, uh, Peros was there. Yeah. And uh, Brennan. And uh, many more. LaBarber uh, La came. A few. Yeah. Joffrey Lupo was there. And because uh, this guy, the owner was real uh, shady dude. Yeah. And all the the 
employees were uh, prostitutes. So it was oh. a great vibe. It, and, it uh, sounds like I, it sounds like a missed opportunity. Uh, you know, if they ever come back, I'll, you'll be the first call mm -hmm. I make. Okay, good. Uh, you got my number. I do now. Yeah. And uh, but Zenon uh, was, you know, I used to wear hockey jerseys on stage. Yeah, because I was so petrified. I had such stage fright. You probably wondered when you walked up to that room, why do you have all this? Uh, I had such stage fright when I started that I thought, well. If I wear a shirt that's been fought in, I'll be protected. I like that thinking. It's embarrassing. I'm being completely. Uh, well, no, but I'm I'm being sincere when I say I like that thinking. Uh, but I believe in the aura of like you put a jersey on that Link Gates fought in. It's like you're yeah. protected. Yeah. It's like you know, in my ball, these numerous ball hockey trophies, I won most of them wearing game worn gloves of like my favorite players. You can buy them. Like, you know, I don't know what you do with your old gloves. I got, they're lying around somewhere. I probably used them to pick up some of my dog's excrement. Well, well listen, uh, two <laughs> girls in one cup will work. I want to do a hockey well, you're, movie. You're funny you mention that. My uh, username on NHL Game Center is uh, one guy, two cups. Oh, listen, that dick probably was filmed in this neighborhood. <laughs> I want to do, uh, you know, because I know, you know, you've had a couple big contracts, you know, and you seem like a smart guy. You saved your money. I'd like to finance a movie uh, called Two Girls in a Stanley Cup. It's, you know. They'd have to they'd have to eat for a few days beforehand and not go to the bathroom to fill it up. Right, yeah. Well, what we'll do is we'll have me eat a couple Staples Center hot dogs. and uh, <laughs> Or maybe the Dodger dogs. Well, those Dodger dogs are like, I'm telling you, man, uh, it, they're, they're rough. I mean. It's it's funny when you get to a certain age where you actually got to plan your next 24 hours after you eat the meal. Well, I listen, uh, I, I'm just filmed a toilet paper commercial, and uh, it was great. It's ridged. <laughs> it's for the new ridged Charmin toilet paper. And uh, I don't know what's coming out of your ass that you have to have groove toilet paper now. But uh, I'm going to get money from it, so. All from wiping your ass, huh? Well, I can imagine uh, it, it, you've been in many locker rooms. I can only imagine. Now, when does an NHL player, like, I, this is a serious question. Like, you guys eat a pregame meal, what, I'm guessing around 5 o'clock? No, pregame meal, I'll, I'll quickly run you through a game day. Please do. So if a game, if they're playing at uh, 7.30 tonight or 7, depending on. Traffic, I guess. In L.A. Well, they switch the game depending on traffic in the playoffs. I know that. But let's go for argument's sake at 7 p.m. start. That means you wake up at 8 a.m., you're at the rink by 9, you're on the ice by 10, you're off the ice by 10.30, quarter to 11. Then you're uh, watching game film at 11.30, and you're out of the rink by noon. You're at your place back uh we sort of, or they still go to Fridomista in, uh, in Hermosa and you eat lunch there around 1230 and you're in your bed by 1.30, nap till three up at quarter after three in the car, quarter to four at the rink by 4.30. And then it's, then you start getting ready for the game. So last time you eat is around 1230, one o'clock. Oh, wow. But when you go into the locker room to do it, like fruits and stuff like that, yeah, to, bagels. But they don't have like like cooked uh, like they had. Well, the Kings would have like a little bit of uh, 
they were getting into like the gluten-free pasta just a little bit maybe like a bowl of chicken noodle soup something like that just to give you a little bit of uh sugar or carbohydrates but you don't eat a big meal two hours before a game and in between periods what would you uh, energy drinks and i mean did you ever do the energy drink thing oh yeah you'd have i'd have five different water bottles filled up with uh energy drinks different variations of them supplements five hour energy advil cold and sinus uh those gatorade gummies you know power bars right bananas everything when, when you take a dump i mean <laughs> well when you're like during well, the game i mean do you ever have time like i yeah, guess in between yeah, periods in between periods but the beauty of the human body is that it actually shuts down the the gi track there and you don't have to worry about it till after the game because i would imagine if you're in between uh whether you're winning or losing and you uh say hey coach sutter i gotta take a dump like <laughs> He, he doesn't seem like the guy would have the best. Uh, no, no. I, right, he wouldn't go right this way. Yeah, yeah. Please, Dustin. Here, <laughs> take this roll of rich toilet paper yeah. I got from Earl. Yeah. Well, air, my, my toilet paper commercial uh, is going to air right after all Arby's commercials. It's a good spot. Well, I mean, if you've ever had five sandwiches for a dollar, <laughs> you're reaching for the... <laughs> you're eating the fifth one on the toilet, huh? Yeah, you're reaching for the brawny. Forget the toilet paper. Take a fucking beach towel. The the, uh, the janitorial staff actually is the uh, the sixth man. Yeah, of, of any sporting team. Seventh man is the toilet paper <laughs> fucking distributor. <laughs> I mean, thank you, Jared from Subway. <laughs> Jesus, that guy was out of control. I mean, thank God he's not in Edmonton. He'd have a field day with that team. Jeez. <laughs> well, I mean, I think he was set up by Quiznos. I think that it was a sting <laughs> operation. It was, it's possible. It's possible. I mean, that guy. Anything uh, is. Yeah. It, sorry, we got off in the wrong. Well, no, I just I only bring up Jared from Subway because uh, it was an article yesterday saying he's gained thirty pounds in prison. So apparently, a steady diet of dick will do that to you. <laughs> Fatten you right up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. There you go. I'm going to start eating Jersey Mike's. <laughs> they just bumped into number two. But listen, I, I could talk all day about. Uh, stuff now you've i guess you are fully retired um not fully i haven't filed papers or anything but i like to keep people in the dark as far as that goes right right because you seem in good shape i mean you seem like you could uh, step onto the ice as is um i could step onto ice as is i don't think i'd like to get in a national league hockey game right now i mean what would be the process let's just say uh next next july you get the uh the itch, you know, do you uh, start calling teams saying, hey, I guess you arrange a tryout? Uh, yeah, something like that I guess you could do. Did you, know? you like your time in Washington? I did. You know, it's other than, uh, you know, breaking a couple vertebrae in my neck, it was great. But other than that, it was a good time. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the team there and, you know, the coaching staff and the ownership and the city was quite nice too. And then uh, what what's it like? I don't want to rat. I could talk to you all day, man. And we might. I mean, you know. uh, Do you like playing in a hockey city, like, say, Edmonton, where it's the the team is such a focus of everyone? I can imagine you can't go get gas, where it's like, oh, my God, that's Dustin Penner. Hey, take a picture. Or coming to L.A., which... uh, 
you know, isn't necessarily a hockey town. Do you do you like both? There's the the obviously cliche answer is there's pros and cons to both. But um, I mean, what would be the? I'd, I'd like to try playing in a hockey city where you're winning the Stanley Cup and the best team, but there might not be a worse place to play, you know, in a hockey city that when you're dead last in the league for three and a half years. Like Edmonton. Know. Yeah, it was. You couldn't go anywhere without getting booed. I think I got booed at dinner. Well, so. because you were, I, I uh, when you're one of the more uh, higher paid guys on the yeah. t- on a losing team, it, it's like, hey, you're making X amount of money. Why aren't you? Uh, you can only do so much. Yeah, it's uh, they always need a, a scapegoat or a lightning rod to to release their frustrations on, and that was uh, my cross to bear. I think when I was there. Because and you know you're so uh, you give such a great interview, and uh, you know is it? Do you sometimes wish you weren't such a good interview where people would want to talk to you? Like I try to get that way, you know, by uh, trying to scare off reporters by putting them on the spot, right? But uh, that only made them want you more. Does it bother you that most reporters, I, you know look like they've never played a sport in their life like it yeah that's the underlying feeling is obviously there's some reporters that haven't played the game that have the wherewithal to understand that what they're asking they may not know enough about to be uh to be an expert on the topic but then there's some that think because they've worked as a writer for blogs or or certain publications for 20 years, 15 years, that they know enough about the game by watching it on TV or from right. the press box. Like me. Yeah. It's, um, there's a lot of things that go in into hockey that a lot of people don't see, won't see, and can't understand. Right. Like, you know, if you gave me stand-up advice, I'm not saying I yeah. necessarily wouldn't take it. I wouldn't give you it, though. But I mean... That's the... You know what I mean? Like, what... I. I liken some of the advice or uh, unsolicited opinions of reporters that I've gotten in the past to me saying to you, like, just be more funny when you're on stage. <laughs> it's good advice, though. <laughs> Believe me. I mean, I'm like the little Do engine. Do what you're doing, but funnier. Right. Yeah, I mean, I would never dream of telling you, hey, man, uh, you could have shot a little harder that time. <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably look at you like, how do you get in here? Well, as you can see, I've got uh, many ball hockey trophies <laughs> in the lowest oh, division. Well, pardon me. I mean, I know what I'm doing. But, I mean, that drives me insane when I see, like, uh, I mean, like, when I watch uh, the NHL Network and they have Jeremy Roenick, okay, I, yeah, he could give advice. He's, you know, maybe the greatest American-born player, yeah. one of them. Uh, or, But, you know... I tell you, when I see, and I know he played in the NHL, but when Mike Milbury starts giving GM advice, it's like, Jesus, you were like yeah. one of the worst GMs ever. I mean, uh, yeah, there's uh, know what you know and know what you don't know, and a lot of people can't differentiate between the two. Yeah, I mean, it's like, if they, and I, I'm sure he's a great guy, and he grew up in an era that I loved watching, you know, the early 80s, which was like yeah. jungle hockey. Uh, but it's like, when he starts criticizing other GMs' moves, it's like, I've seen better GMs on Sega Genesis than you, uh, but that's a but you know and then EJ who who's the uh, 
Maguire. Uh, Pierre Maguire. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, the same feeling you have is a sentiment that's carried on throughout the players in the league. It's like, if you were so good. I remember when you coached the Hartford Whalers, man. It, you weren't yeah. exactly uh, Scotty Bowman. Yeah, they left, I think, because of him. Yeah, I mean, they picked up their green whale and moved to Carolina. <laughs> Little known fact, when Carolina won the Stanley Cup, they had to share their parade route with the KKK. It was a dual parade. Was it? <laughs> this is unbelievable. Two phone calls. I'm going to have to hang up on this person. I forgot where I... Listen, I'm doing a podcast with an NHL player. I don't know who this is, but I got to hang up on you. Show a little respect. I actually recognized the phone number. It was John Barbados on Melrose calling. <laughs> I tell you, you buy two $2,500 jackets and they think you're fucking made of money. I mean, I'm just a humble comic who had rich parents. Uh, all right. So I don't want to wrap this up because uh, you know what my goal dustin is for people to listen to this podcast and go i want the two of them to do another podcast i don't want to shoot our wad all in well, one we could i think we have a lot more material to get through well we do you're not just an nhl player uh, i'm going to get you back in the league of course i want uh, maybe a pair of gloves in return uh we'll get you some memorabilia no no but here's the thing here see i want to get back to the aura i'm gonna return to my ball hockey league and this is like, I need, a, I'm going to pay you for them. And I know you don't need the money, but this is about. I don't want to get paid in, in dollars. You can find whether it's an old VHS, maybe you got here or something. No, no, no. It's all about respect. Okay. I know you don't need the money, but I want to pay you for a pair of game issued. Because I like mine new. Maybe worn once or twice. Okay. Dustin Penner gloves. Because if I put my hands in a pair of gloves that I know you've played in or practiced in, I feel like I get the dust. It's like when I wore the jerseys because I was afraid. I feel like that transference of goal scoring ability. Well, maybe I'll come join you in an exhibition. Oh, I would love to bring you to my ball hockey league, not tell anyone who you are. I mean, you're pretty recognizable. It'll put you in a beard or something. Yeah. Hey, this is my friend Jim. He's never yeah. played before. Just, yeah. just throw him out there. <laughs> Jim from the gym. Yeah, Jim from Jim, the sports bar. <laughs> See you at the steam room. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, Jesus, I was in the guy, steam room. Guy can work the corners like no one else. Listen, he works the corners, the middle of the room. I mean, it goes 12 hole. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dustin, this is the part. And once again, you don't need my uh, money for your gloves uh, and, and, and maybe a tall stick if you have an uncut stick. Stick. Okay. Un, you, know. <laughs> you don't you would don't want to you want uncircumcised well i yeah because i bought a zidane chara stick see this goes back to my wacky thinking going if i buy a zidane chara stick that he's actually touched and played in i'll have his shot and it worked i'm not sure if there's science to support that but oh i'm completely wrong <laughs> i'm very weak <laughs> mentally before i go to the gym and lift heavy <laughs> i watched the training scene in rocky too that's a good scene. Hearts well, on fire? No, that's Rocky Four. That's Rocky IV. Robert Tepper, Hearts on Fire. Hearts on fire. Nice keyboard. You don't listen to, uh, if it's Rocky Two, then it's um, James Brown. No, that's Rocky Three. Damn it. Uh, listen, I have a very obscure... Well, I want to talk about one thing. I've embarrassed myself enough, I think. No, no, you haven't, because what I'm about <laughs> to talk about, I think, if you're not a Dustin Penner fan now, you will be after this story. Dustin came to my home 
But first of all, thank you very much. All seriousness, I know that when I asked Thanks you... Thanks for having to, me. Well, I, listen, I know you get asked to do a lot of these things. And uh, you know, <coughs> I'd like to thank our mutual friend, Jen Sturger, for, uh, I guess, vouching for me to a degree. And vouching for me. Well, well yeah, but, I, I, you know, you drove a long way to do this. And uh, you came here with a German Shepherd in the back of your car, a police dog named Ryback. Ryback, yes, Ryback. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was named after the pro wrestler Ryback. And it is not. And if anything gets into my heart more than naming your dog after a pro wrestler, it's naming your dog after the Steven Seagal character in Under Siege, Casey Ryback. And so if you don't like Dustin Penner now, it ain't ever going to happen. I mean, it might not for somebody. I think we may have got brought a few over. I think I just lost 12 Twitter followers by that. Uh, I named my one of my dogs after when I was a little kid. I know it's hard that I didn't come out of my mom's womb this size. I saw a boxing match between Larry Holmes, probably before your time. So when were you born? 82. Larry Holmes was around the heavyweight champ uh, in that era. Uh, he fought a guy, big, huge white guy named Randall Tex Cobb. And Tex Cobb literally threw in a 15-round fight four punches. And he just laughed at Larry Holmes, hit me again. And, and he became more known for his acting. But I was so impressed at his ability to take a punch, I named my dog a little, little Yorkie named Tex. Nice. Got hit by a car two years in. but <laughs> Didn't laugh it off, I guess. He took it. He, he was did? just like Tex Cobb. Well, there you ha go. Happened right in front of had me. He not had, on. The, had he not had the name, he might not have made it. So it goes back to... I had a Zdeno Chara stick. I then had the hardest shot in the you league. You should start like a Scientologist type thing with that. I, I'm a weird guy. Like when I put on Donald Brashear's gloves, I feel tougher. I don't fight, but. The feeling is there. It's just a weird thing. It's, it's not tangible. Only to you, maybe. Like if you, I, I, it sounds completely insane. If you said to me, Earl, here's the jersey. Now, I would never wear this jersey to play in a ball hockey game. But if you said it, if I said to you, Dustin, I got my first TV uh, stand-up set on uh, Conan O'Brien next Tuesday. I want to wear that shirt you were wearing when you scored the OT winner in Phoenix. I know I would have the set of my life because of what that shirt meant for LA hockey. Is that crazy or not? Uh, I wouldn't say it's that crazy. Well, let's work on that. I would okay. give the shirt back to you, but I just right. say, can I? I'm assuming you t keep your some of your shirts. Yeah, if you if you get that spot, then you can wear the jersey. So you do have that shirt. I do because as uh, when you the Kings won the cup, you got to keep a like. I'm assuming yeah, we got the jerseys that we wore. All right. Well, now that I've turned this into a fucking a swap made, uh, <laughs> Dustin, where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, at Dustin Penner 25. And there's an underscore. No. Or is it just Dustin Penner 25? Yeah. So that's D U S T I N P E N N E R, the number 25 for some yeah. of my fans who. And are you, do you, you must do Instagram. I do. Same thing at Dustin? Uh, no, it's DD2725 or DD2527. It's I think it's on the Twitter. And is there anything you would like to plug? You got any appearances? Uh, uh, not unless we're heading down to the gym. 
Right. Well, <laughs> let's. I tell you what. We're going to organize the first inappropriate Earl watch party. Uh, maybe when the Kings. Uh, what, 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 what are your predictions for the Stanley Cup? I think. Uh, I think it'll be Kings versus Blackhawks in the conference, with uh, Dark Horse going to the Ducks. You know, it's going to those th- the, one of the one of those three teams is going to come out of the West. I believe it's going to be the Kings and the Capitals. That would be fantastic. And before we let you go, you've been traded a few times. What is it like? Let, let's say the Kings and the Capitals play in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, now it's well known: Mike Richards, Jeff Carter, best of friends. Game seven, loose puck in the corner. They don't take it easy on each other. It's no. like you, you don't like you've obviously played against friends. Yeah, and uh, uh, you know wh- what is it like to like. Like in that particular case, like who was your best friend in the league? Um, probably playing against uh, Perry or Getzloff. And, you know, Perry's known to maybe chirp a little bit. And, you know, he's uh, certainly not a fighter, but uh, I like kind of a, a very highly skilled agitator. Yeah. Uh, did he, uh, after you left the Ducks, uh, did he like talk shit to you? Oh, yeah. There was always, and there's even video of me and him. When I was playing for, I think, either I think it was the Kings, where I cross-checked him in the back and then landed on him and cross-checked him again, and he lay down swimming on the ice like a dead fish. And uh, you know, he, he he was pissed at the time, but then we laughed about it after the game. But it's just one of those things where, you know, you know, shoot first, ask questions later, right. or he could, it's easier to ask for an apology than or for, or it's easy. It's the saying, Earl, help me. It's easier to ask um, for forgiveness than ask for permission. I thought you were talking about the saying, he who goes to bed with an itchy butt wakes up with a black finger. <laughs> Those hemorrhoids are killing me right now. But so Maybe that's why you get the rich toilet paper. Telling me. I mean, I, at one point I thought I had you know, two... You if I actually had toilet paper coated with like hemorrhoid cream, it might... Two birds, one stone. Well, I mean, I one point last week I thought I had two assholes. I mean, it was just like... <laughs> Stay away from the empanadas. <laughs> and get down to the gym if that's the case. Yeah, double barrel. <laughs> and I ain't talking a shotgun. Uh, now, I can't imagine. Uh, I, I've i had some ones tough going out. I can't imagine what going in must feel like. But that's uh, that's So, all right. We can just keep going. What's the funniest thing that's ever been said to you on the ice? Ah, man. By a team, it's someone just trying to get you going. I mean, you said that to a prost. Yeah. No, I don't. I can only give you um, what uh, what's the name? Why can't I think of his first name? Thornton, Scott Thornton, no. Sean Thornton. Sean, what he said to Braden Coburn, and Braden Coburn has a really distinct nose, like could smoke a st- cigar in the shower type thing. <laughs> and he, he was playing D, and Thornton was on the bench, and it was the pace off in the neutral zone, close to. The, our bench would have been Sean's Sean's bench because I think he was with a different team at the time. But it got around the league where he had said to the linesman who was about to drop the puck, he went, hey, 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 tell Coburn to get his nose out of the circle. <laughs> and that's probably one of the funnier things I've ever heard. Right, right. I mean, Because if your nose is in the circle, you can't drop the puck. Yeah. It's one of those face-off rules. And it's uh, I really appreciate the witty comments like that the insults where you you can't 
you're if you're an intelligent person, you can't say anything. You can't say, "Oh, fuck you," because that's not gonna. Right. You just gotta wear it. Because there's that great uh, clip of uh, I think Brian Bellows. Uh, he had just taken a dive and uh, face-offs by the Penguins bench, and at the time it was uh, Brian Trottier and Kevin Stevens on the bench just hammering him with. Uh, Calling him a pussy and a tit fucker and yeah. and just like, Jesus Christ, Trottier just going, you're a number one, Bellows, best player in the league. Yeah, it's like, oh my god, it's, it's horrible. So, all right, well, Dustin, I can't thank you enough, and and to know that we've set up a future date to uh, watch a game at uh, a bar that's frequented by uh, guys who look like Caitlyn Jenner. By the way, I don't have well, any... Girls are... How do, what do you even say to... It... What I say to Caitlyn Jenner? I'll well, just I... say this. I fucked worse. Yeah. <laughs> I fucked girls... He's a good looking look... man. Well, listen, he's got great tits. Yeah. He looks starting to look like the girl from SVU. <laughs> um, tell you. Yeah, I tell you, there's one group of people, and this is on the real, and I want to leave on a serious note. There's a lot of homophobia in this world. It's a lot of transgender phobia in the, this world. And there's one group of people that are so pissed off about Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, more than others. And that's the 10 guys he beat in the 76 Olympics because now they got beat yeah, by... Yeah, that, that's a new insult they're not going to live down. Now they got beat by a chick. And now he wants to change back to Bruce Jenner, reports are. Typical woman can't make up their fucking mind. <laughs> Dustin Pinner, uh, I don't want to say retired to an NHL player because he hasn't filed papers yet. Follow this man on Twitter. He was very nice enough to do this. This has been Inappropriate Earl, SoundCloud and iTunes. Let's spread. Let's make this. Let's make Gary Bettman listen to this broadcast. He might fast forward through some I lines. I can't get Pink Eye from holding this mic to my face this close, can I? Well, let me tell you who's held that mic. A Stephen Piercy, the singer from Rat, uh, the guitar player from Warrant, the drummer from Cinderella. So uh, listen, you can't catch AIDS twice. <laughs> There's a free clinic. Listen. Uh, you know, take a left at the gym. I used to wear a Jofa helmet like this, and I used to have long hair. And in my ball hockey league, they would call me Baby Yager. And one day I had a bump on the back of my neck, and I thought, Jesus Christ, it's like a golf ball sized lump. And I thought, well, I better Google bump on the back of my neck. First thing that popped up was AIDS. It, it usually does when I, when you Google anything, I think. Yeah. I go I wake up I Google Dustin Penner. <laughs> AIDS came up like Jesus Christ. Just get a cellophane for that mic. <laughs> Went and one day got five AIDS tests. Last one was right down the street thinking they're gonna know what they're talking about in this area. Guy before me left crying. Uh, I'm like, oh uh, how was it? Positive, you have it? Wanna split a cab? Yeah, yeah, I'll split, I'll meet you at Jim. I'll have the Lexington Steel hot dog. Uh, Dustin Penner, 25, on Twitter. Uh, I can't thank him enough. It's it's an honor to have a, an, not just an NHL player, but someone who's won two Stanley Cups. And I can't, you know, listen, has a King fan. And I, I want to leave on this. I've been a King fan long before Gretzky hit town. Uh, thank you very much for bringing the Cup thank to our you. city. Well, and I, that's... It was a pleasure to help a team win one that hadn't... Hadn't won one even during the Gretzky era. I mean, yeah, I remember one of my favorite quotes uh, from I think it's the Frozen Royalty Twitter account. He said, "After uh, well, ten seconds or a minute before they won their second cup, he says we're a minute away from 
referring to the Gretzky years as the lean years. Right, yeah. Well, I mean, Jesus, when Melrose took over, my God, I mean, Melrose was bringing guys like Troy Crowder who hadn't played in four fucking years. He was... uh, Thank you, Barry Mellis, yep. for the mullet years. Uh, Dustin Pinner, he's got to start the drive back to uh, Newport Beach. Uh, take a left at Jim and um, make a right at the Grinder billboard. Tell him, tell him we're all sent you. Uh, thank you, Dustin, very thank much. You. We'll Thanks, see you so. soon.